Hey, Full Contact CO listeners, Mags here. I'm here with Piper. We're coming to you live from the Dartmouth Skiway. We got a foot of freshies. School's canceled. We're on the eve of MLR's fifth season, the Free Jack second. So excited on episode two of our Captain America miniseries. I catch up with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Toddy Clever. It's going to be one heck of a show. Saddle up. Let's ride. Former U.S. National Rugby Team Captain. Team Captain. Head Coach and General Manager. General Manager. Now, the co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full Contact CEO with Alex Magleby. So how'd you get on the High School Americans while the time the U.S. and 19s? How did that happen? My brother was already on it, so I kind of, you know, knew, or the family knew of the coaches and everything else. So I had my first trial was at, at Cal Berkeley. I think it was Cal Berkeley, you know, when I was, when I was 17. So decades ago plus, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was in 2000. So made the team in 2000, toured to Australia for three weeks with my brother, with the, you know, high school Americans under 19 team and, and played a handful of games. And, and that's when I got introduced to high performance, you know, kind of, we, we trained where the Brumbies were. We saw a Tri-Nations game. Uh, that's where I pretty much set my, set my goals and saw, saw where I wanted to be. You know? Did you know right at that moment? Like when was the moment you're like, I'm going to put aside everything else for the most part and chase this down? Yeah, it was that trip. Yeah, it definitely was that trip. It was, you know, went to, it was a, it was a couple of things that kind of dung on me because I was, that was the first time I saw like professional rugby at, yeah. And I uh, didn't know where the Brumbies trained. And then we went, we, like I said, I saw the Tri-Nations game, and, you know, in front of 90,000 people, South Africa versus Australia. And I said, oh, I'm going to be on that field. That's where, you know, that's where I belong. And, and uh, nothing's going to get in the way. So I did that. You were studying at Reno at the time? Yeah. And were you just like, well, actually, I was still in high school. I was, I was, I was a senior in high school in 2000. So yeah, that was the summer of, you know, junior and senior year. So that was, that was quite quite early on when you were at Nevada, what was the decision? How'd you make the decision? Like, I'm going to park school. I'm going to park university and actually 24 seven, this rugby thing. I mean, I mean, that was after I'm, you toured with me. That's, yeah. Yeah. Of course. That was, <laughs> it was after that. It was after the famous Hong Kong trip. Yeah. I, I mean, my first year, you know, making college all Americans, uh, making the, with the seventh and 15s and then just playing, you know, club rugby at, at university is kind of a big fish in a small pond. And, and to reach my goals and aspirations of, you know, being on that field of that Tri-Nations and watching and playing Super I had to change, change path and, and kind of carve something else. And then our good friend, our, 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 both of our mentors, McKitty, you know, really gave me an opportunity. He said, you know, if you want to come out to New Zealand, play club rugby, I can get you in front of the North Harbor coaches. It's just a trial. And that's all it was, you know, that, that, and, and that was, nothing was guaranteed. So I just knew I had to go down there and work my tail off and, and, you know, learn, learn, learn real rugby and, and, uh, and, and make a name for myself. Was that at the Mighty Mighty Dale or you went up north, further up north in North Harbor? What was the club that you ended up? I was with, I lived in Walkworth, so I, I played for Mahurangi. Yeah, Mahurangi. That's right. Uh, but you guys like turned the club around. Yeah, well, you know, McKinney took over a head coach and he brought in a few, a uh, few good players, uh, some of the sevens boys that he, that he did and. And yeah, no, we had some success with that, with that club. And yeah, it was, it was, I mean, just the things that we did at the club level, I take, you know, with me, you know, you know, to my family, to the, every team I work with and, and, and just kind of, 
you know, I remember one of the first things that we did was we had to, you know, clean our, clean out the locker room for the upcoming season. We painted it. We, you know, drilled, you know, put the coat hangers, towel hangers in, sanded, you know, furbished everything. And it was like, you know, from there on, it was just a pride. So this is our house. So wrap up this season, it was, it was something else. It's been great to say, we've transitioned offices, free jacks over the last month and to see our staff and a bunch of our players go through that process of rebuilding a new place that they're really excited about painting walls, setting up gym equipment, laying flooring, demoing walls, like that's the excitement. And now they, it's, they own it, you know, it's their space. It's, which is fantastic. We're super excited about it. Okay. So how did you get from North Harbor? You got some reps at North Harbor. did well. How did you get from there into super? Why super versus going to Europe at the time? Like, you know, yeah, well, when I, when I first started playing rugby and, and that was all that was on TV, you know, in, in, in California or in the States, all, all I could watch was super rugby and tri nations. So, I mean, I had my favorite teams on my favorite players and I didn't really know what was going on in, in, in Europe or anywhere else in the world. So I just was like, this fits kind of my, my style of my personality, how I want to play the game. So that was, that was definitely edged into, into the goals to play super rugby. So after, so after North Harbor, I actually had another year in my contract back there, but we had the world cup qualifiers and the world cup for 2007. So I moved, moved back to the States and I moved to San Diego and was available for all the camps for, for the, to prepare for the 2007 world cup. So. Did that, and then after the, that set 2007 World Cup, I had a pretty good performance, and and then made uh, you know made a name for myself on on the on the on the world stage, and had and had pretty much offers all across the globe to where, where I wanted to play, and, and I chose South Africa because it was super rough. instead of playing you know top 14 or or in the Premiership. I uh, definitely wanted to hit that goal and, and and cross that off the list. First American play super rugby. First American, yeah. That's awesome. And there hasn't been many since, right? Yeah, not too many. I don't, I don't know if any born Americans. I know there's a couple of guys that played for the Eagles that, that have, you know, had some, had some games and seasons there, but it's, it's, it's not as lucrative. I mean, you know, choosing to earn the South African rand compared to the British pound or, or, or the Euro, it was tough for me. Like, it's like, all right, why am I, why am I doing, making a third of my salary if, if, if I, you know, choose that, but it was, it wasn't about the finances. It was about, you know, reaching that goal and, and being able to play in that competition. So how do you, how do you adjust? You, you lived in, you know, Joburg, you lived in, where in Japan did you live? In Tokyo. In Tokyo. You lived in Europe where, where you were way up North, right? Newcastle, New right? You lived in New Zealand. How did you, what was your mindset around? Okay. I'm, this is all totally different than you know, uh, the Bay area, California and Reno and San Diego. How did you mindset wise, how did you manage that? I, I loved it. You know, I, I never, I was never comfortable, you know, I, I, and I, and I, and I wanted to be that way. So when I, I realized, you know, just recently it's like, well, how was I not comfortable, you know, in this It's like, you know, once you're in your comfort zone, then you kind of get complacent and, and, you know, kind of every day. So. I knew I was up against it. I mean, I had three years, three seasons with, with lions and I had three head coaches. So I was up against it every single year, you know, a lot of transition, you know, I had to prove a lot of people wrong. I had to earn my stripes and, you know, being up against it, not just being American, but you know, kind of who I am and, you know, so it was, uh, it was always tough and, and all the places I lived, 
I never hung anything on my wall. It was the like I I realized that like yeah because I was like oh kind of going through my mental mental reps and like there's not I never put a nail in a wall and I never hung a picture. It was my walls were always blank. Because you looked at it as temporary, like I'm here one day at a time and this may not be here tomorrow. And yeah. So, I mean, I was, you know, in Japan for five years and I didn't hang one thing up. Like it was just, you know. Is that also because you were never in your room? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's definitely not the case. (laughs) No, I mean, as a a full-time, you know, yeah, it was just weird in in the homes and the apartments and houses I lived in. I just, you know, those kind of you know, and I, and I didn't, I never, you know, I didn't do that on purpose. I yeah. just kind of realized that recently of like, oh, you know, it was kind of a comfort thing. I was never home. I was always on the go and, you know, this is temporary. This is make the most of it, you know, every day. Okay. So you were, you were in with the Lions. Who were the three coaches that you had come through as your head? So Eugene Eloff. Yeah. Yeah. Then we had some Afrikaners. That was a tough one, Hans. Yeah. And then we had uh, Dick Muir. Okay. Wow. And then you go to Suntory. Was yeah, Eddie there Ed, at the time? Eddie, Eddie Jones brought me from. So I that was that was a tough uh, you know decision I had to make because I put, finished off my third season in South Africa. They offered me three year extension to stay on, but I didn't know where the organization was going because I've already had three seasons and three head coaches, and I you know you know you're only one head coach that comes in doesn't like me, then I'm stuck there and everything else. And then Eddie Jones you know offered me a two year contract. In, in, in Japan, you know, financially that was, that kind of just set myself up, you know, with, with that. So I did two years at Suntory with him and then I moved over to entity communication, the shining arts and had three years there. How would you describe your experience? Man, I, I, I mean, Eddie, Eddie is a, a brilliant mind and he, you, you can't take any days off or, he, you know, he expects the most out of you. And we had such great players. I mean, we had George Gregan, George Smith. I mean, there's so, you know, two CPC, like. The list goes on of how many foreigners that they invested heavily in that really, you know, that's where I showed, I mean, I was already playing professional rugby, but that's whenever I was like, oh, this is how it is to be a professional athlete, you know, to give all your time into rehab, to prehab, to, you know, studying, you know, if that's a different language or if that's going to be, you know, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I definitely learned a lot of, uh, about myself and, and how hard I could actually work without breaking. That's awesome. Do you, do you speak Japanese? I mean, I was there for five years, so I got to get by. So I, you know, I can, I can, uh, I won't get lost. I won't. That's what Eddie says about his Japanese. He's, you know, his, I think his mother's Japanese and originally in um, her heritage. I think she's American originally. And his, I think his, his partner, she's Japanese, I think, but, and he's lived there forever and has coached the team. And he's like, I still can't speak the language. No, he's, 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 he's modest. His his Japanese is, is, is pretty, pretty good, but you know, it was. Okay, how that's you- the thing. I mean, we, 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 you, you, you get what you take. So, I mean, they, they forced you to, or they, they encouraged heavily uh, into doing one-on-one classes. So I had a tutor, I had a manager, I had a, you know, translator. So they made life so easy for us, you know, just the living arrangements, you know, you show up, you know, your fridge is full, your bed's made sort of a thing. And it's like, just take your shoes off and you're, 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 you're like churning key. You don't get that everywhere else in the, in the world. And so, but, but yeah, you, you kind of learn they have to learn the language you got to survive because you want to make you know friendships and i mean you you know you have a japanese player there you know in kenny was yeah fantastic he's back in japan now but i love kenny yeah 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 so we, i mean we were teammates that you know at some tour and played against each other usa versus versus japan i mean 
you know, and that, you know, when he came out to, uh, it was, you know, we speak Japanese and, and that's, you know, awesome. that, that's what it, that's what it's about. So, I mean, those, those are the bonds that you, you create. So you're in Japan making good money. You're full professional. You're still playing for the national team. Why Newcastle? Well, as a turn of events, I mean, 2015 happened for, for me, which was. And when you're talking about 2015, you're talking about the fact that you were in the body issue of ESPN. <laughs> that, that, that is true. I was, I wasn't that. Can we just segue there real quick? Okay. So yeah. you show up to get a shoot, to be nude in a magazine that is massively popular. You're, do you have to get fully disrobed in front of the photographer? Like who, who's there? Like what, how did you manage that? Let's yeah. Well, I had a, I had a beach house and like between a few of our houses, we have a private beach in, in North of San Diego. So I was like, oh, you know, we'll just do the photo shoot here, talk to ESPN. I was like, oh, here's a good spot. So I was like, all right. So I thought it was going to be basically lighting camera person and, you know, producer or director, yeah. whatever it is, some three or four people. The call sheet the day before, it was like 23 people plus my name on this call sheet. So I'm just like, wait, what the heck? So I mean, the production. So you're doing more push-ups. Like, you know, I wish I would have known that. So yeah. that, that was the only time I got a little bit nervous. Is yeah. Before I'm just like, geez. Yeah. So we just went down down on the beach, caught the tides right. So the beach was kind of, you know, you know, enclosed. And, and Does someone like hold a leaf while so other people don't see until you get to the no, well, one of the coolest things they do, they give you one of those nice robes, the body issue robes. So you're kind of stayed up, bundled up, warm, and you know. I don't, when you I take don't know. that off, so you take that off and you're going to go do the shoot. I mean, your willy's just hanging out. Like, is that like what happens? Yeah. How do they, well, that's amazing. Good for you. <laughs> and any, have you done that since? Anything like that? I've gotten naked a few times, but you know, not for a, you know. daily. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In public, not as much. No, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I, I cut out, I had about three weeks, I think, to prepare for that. Whenever they told me like, oh, here's a good date for it. So I'm like, all right, well, let's cut out carbs, no pizza, no bread. Let's focus on a couple more abs here and there. Hard hitting to talking about 2015, you don't get picked for the world cup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after the, after that, that photo shoot, we got together, it came out, they invited me to the SB. So that was what an honor, you know, to, you know, great marketing for rugby. You, you think so. You think so. It wasn't, you know, that, you know, the, the national team, you know, people that were in it, they weren't, weren't, weren't a big fan of the nude shoot and they weren't a fan of, you know, kind of how I carried myself in the interview, I guess, that, cause that came up in, in it. And I was comparing, you know, rugby to football and football to rugby of, you know, the mindset of a player compared to a coach. So they, they took some offense to that and, and ultimately was on the bad books and ultimately got dropped from, uh, from the team, unfortunately on a, on a world cup year. So yeah, that's life. You know, you kind of, you know, not the first person to kind of have that happen as professional sports. And, you know, so I just, you know, went, kept on, kept on doing it. And I just knew after five years in Japan, it, it was my agent, my manager and agent was like, do you want to go for your Japanese passport and do it? And I was looking at it and I'm just like, man, I've been here five years. I'm, I haven't hung up. I haven't hung a thing on my wall. And I think it's time to get back to the, to, to the coast and, and kind of, you know, find the, find the next chapter. So looking back on that moment in time, and now that you've had time to reflect, are there things that you wish you that you could control that you would have done differently with that whole world cup uh, throughout, yeah throughout the whole time i knew i was always going to have to you know reflect on it 
So I, I made, I made decisions, you know, with my, and, and, and I can still keep my head held high, you know? So I always put the players first, you know, all the guys that know it, you know, going from captain one game tour to completely dropped and, and always putting my head on that chopping block for the players, you know? And, and it, it, it was, it was tough, but you know, it's, I was, you know, I felt as though that kind of responsibility of being that captain to being a full-time professional uh, players. I mean, some of these guys are struggling, having to put on their whole, their, their lives on hold. Not, and I'm not better than them. I'm not training harder. I'm not, you know, more talented. I just got lucky. I got a couple good balances and some, some great opportunities to play full time and make some decent money. So, you know, anytime the team, you know, got together, I would, I would love to, you know, treat them. And, you know, I felt as though that I always had to, you know, owe and, you know, give, give a good experiences to the younger guys or, or the teams and especially guys that are, you know, either teachers or plumbers or painters or whatever else. So they can, you know, have their, their national team dreams. Right. And USA rugby, like a lot of other institutions are resource limited and there's always in it, it, like, it's like public school everything goes to the middle. Right. And it's, we need people who are fighting on both ends to make sure that, that things move forward. Right. And advocating for what, you know, your group at the time, the player groups need and everything else. I think you've always done a really good job of that fighting kind of for the player's cause and making sure the players get, get taken care of, which, which is great. So no world cup, you decide to come back. How do you end up in the frozen tundra of Newcastle? I mean, the first town that it is. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was heartbreaking for the family, for myself and, and really needed to, you know, figure out, okay, what's the next step on things and, and. Like I said, I was like, I don't want to look back and, and pity me and, and not be able to end my career how I want to end it. So, you know, it got, got straight back into training. And during the World Cup, the, the Barbarians were going over or right before the World Cup, the Barbarians were getting together and they called me up. They're like, can you join us? We're going on tour to, and I'm just like, that was my old, my ultimate dream is to be part of that. Barbas, yeah. Yeah. Being on it. So went out there, played a game, had a f unbelievable best week of my life, met some unbelievable talented players that I've always looked up to or played against and, and had it. And, and after that, they just, cause they sent me a one way business ticket to London. And I was like, oh, I only have one way. They're like, oh, well just let us know when you want to go home and, and everything else. I was like, all right, well, I'm stuck. I'm in, I'm in Europe. What should I do now? So I was like, all right, took a train to Brussels, you know, went up to Amsterdam. And I went down to Portugal and I was just living on the beach in Portugal, surfing, enjoying life, eating good food. And my agent was trying to get a hold of me for a little time. And he's like, and after the Baba's game, you have a handful of opportunities. Do you want to, do you want to continue playing? I was like, no, I, you know, I think I wanted that game to be my last. I was really happy with it and just the best week of my life. And I'm living the best life of my right now and on the beach. And he, he's like, no, come fly up here, fly to Newcastle, I'll take you to a couple of premiership clubs that you have opportunities. And uh, so I, so I agreed after a couple of days, after a good swell came in, had a couple more waves, flew up there, left, left my boots, left the surfboard, left, left a lot, a lot of bag out there in Portugal. Cause I was like, I'll come for a few days, landed there and in Newcastle. And it was a beautiful sunny day. I was like, oh, this place is actually quite nice. Took me to the coast, took me to the little stadium, met a like, few people, Dean Richard. I'm like, 
man, this is actually, I, I could see myself getting back into the swing of things. This is me after a few weeks, you know, touring Europe and living on the beach. So Dean Richards like looks at me meeting him. I have the best tan of my life at summertime. I probably lost 15 pounds of weight just eating, you know, raw fish and, you know, no, not working out. He's like, where's the rest of you? I was like, oh, it's just, I'll, 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 I'll work it back on. Don't worry. So, uh, so I side with Newcastle, didn't even go back to Portugal to pick up my stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll just get new stuff, calling a couple of favors. And I think that was one of the only, one of the three sunny days that was in Newcastle for the whole year. Uh, so it was, it was a long winter, cold winter, had a season there, you know, made the most of it. And, 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 but after that one season, I had the option to, to stay on and I was like, I got, I got to get back. Yeah, to like, no. And you're back and you're back playing for the Eagles, right? At that, at that stage. Yeah. So, so during that time, 2015 finished 2016, they let go of the whole coaching staff after the world cup, obviously with the, with the disappointment of, of results and, and, and rebuilding afterwards. So a uh, new coach called me, called me up and was like, you know, do you want to end like that? And I was like, no, I don't want to end my, you know, Eagle career that I've been on for 14 years like that. So he, he asked me, what do you want to do? How is this? And I said, just give me an opportunity. Like, I don't want to be captain. I don't want to, you know, be leader. I just want a job to do. I want to have a chance to, to earn that Jersey back. And a week into the thing they, you know, they named me back captain and in the co-captain with, with Blaine Scully, which is, you know, awesome to, to do that just because we're so opposite and approaching. So it was, uh, it was good. And then you played through the world cup qualifier. How did you decide to retire like after this you've played a you know, hundred times you've played for the u.s whether 15s or sevens over basically two decades not including age grades how how like how did you know it was time you know I, i've been part of world cups and i've missed out on world cups and i have everything else and a lot of people in their career on a world cup and they 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 plan it that way but you know seeing where i was and where the team was and where the future is with the team i thought it would have been really selfish of myself to prolong my national team you know career just to earn caps i didn't want to just continue like you know collecting caps and being part of a squad and and that i felt as though that there was some good talent coming in i felt as though that it was a good time for myself and no better way to you know end your national team career in your hometown in front of your family, having, you know, my daughter run me out on the field with the national anthem, you know, capturing the team, you know, and, and playing against your, you know, Canada. So it was, uh, it, it was just a perfect setting for myself. And, you know, I just, I just, you know, decided, you know, going into, it was like, this, this will be my last game leading the team as, you know, America's number one would, would, would be great. First time we qualified over Canada, which was fantastic. And that really then set the groundwork for the team that beat Scotland the next year. So all that work you guys had, had, had done. It's pretty fantastic. So two decades, international rugby at the highest level. Looking back now, two decades, how has the game changed? You know, my recollection very much at the time we worked really hard, but then, you know, we went hard, you know, and I, and I see the players today and they're much more put together in terms of schedules and the performance side of it. How have you seen the game change? Yeah, I mean, I felt as though that the missing piece always was a professional league in the States. So, you know, whenever I lived in New Zealand, you know, if it was 2005, 2006 or South Africa after that, Japan, I mean, Europe, everybody was, everybody's interested in coming to America, but it was just like, no, there's no league, there's no money. There's nothing really, you know, for you there. 
once there's something set up there, then, then that's, you know, how we can kind of take the, the, the sport to the next level and making sure that our natural team, you know, is fully professional because throughout all those years, I never played on a fully professional, you know, us national team. There was still a couple guys that were, you know, part-time workers and the money wasn't really there. So yeah, that, that's, that's the biggest growth, uh, that I've seen on the high performance level, but just the mass numbers and, and getting into schools, introducing, uh, the sport and, and going on sort of the core values, as I spoke about earlier of, you know, transitional athletes going in, if it's, uh, you know, from, from track and field or wrestling or football or anything else, volleyball, basketball, but, you know, transitioning in, there's so many different ways and pathways to it. So. That's, that's kind of the compliments of, of, of rugby where, where it's in its mood. Speaking of, I mean, you, you recently announced and executed on and now have Todd Clever Foundation and you're out there doing exactly that, you know, trying to get the ball in, other, in more kids' hands. How's this going? Like, how are you uh, managing to do it? What, where does this, where is it going to go? Yeah, I mean... Rugby, I mean, they gave me so much and, and this is definitely a passion project where I can give back. And, uh, you know, with the Talk Clever Foundation, it's, you know, booking field space, you know, you know, fundraising, getting goalposts, doing jerseys, like you said, getting balls. So, you know, last year was our first year. We just, you know, came up on a year and, you know, looking at the notes of, uh, of review of what we did the first year is like, you know, we, we got over 500 rugby balls, you know, out in, in the community. Awesome. You know, we did, you know, 13 sets of jerseys for, you know, for teams, mostly youth teams, but I'm, I'm really focusing on, you know, girls rugby, women's rugby, you know, inner city rugby, where, where they don't have those opportunities to have a brand new jersey. And I, I always remember even, you know, going into a new team or, or the national team, having something crisp and tearing off the tag, taking out the bag and like having it. But I've also been on teams where it's like, oh, these were the year before, or these were these jerseys and it's just a patch on it. And it's like. It means something, but it doesn't mean as much as I, you know, so, so just trying to bring that, you know, joy, you know, into, you know, all assets and, and really focusing on that, you know, diversity inclusion of rugby, you know, to it. So the foundation is really there to, you know, unite and support, you know, players, coaches, teams, leagues, and, and, and be a, be a big pillar for that. Making rugby more accessible, which is awesome. 100%. And, th and that's, you know, focus right now, especially with the times right now of, of COVID and the borders, you know, some will close, but ultimately I want to work into, you know, scholarships and, and, and I've set up scholarships and contacts of all the places I've lived and played. So in New Zealand, I went to Iran's and, you know, have a deal, you know, working, you know, want to send kids there in South Africa, you know, where, where the sevens Blitzbach and sevens trade, they have academies there. I want to send, you know, American uprising guys there. In Japan, I have skills coaches that want to go, you know, that, that have clinics and everything else. And then in Europe as well. So I want to, you know, get into scholarships because that's what really changed me. And that will be more on the high performance side. I have the, have, have the grassroots, but on the high performance side, you know, traveling the world, getting to know people from a different, you know, society, different, you know, ethnic background, different religion, eating different foods, watching different TV, seeing, you know, that. That is, that is the world, world game changer was for me and an eye opener. And, and it made me, you know, the man I am today. And, and I want to be able to be in a situation and I'm thankfully in that situation to, to pass that on. That's very lofty and fantastic goals on the business of that. How are you funding that? Is that your network? You, you're working, having to work the phones. Like, how are you making that work? 
Yeah. I mean, I've had some really great generosity with donors of, of people like former teammates and, and teams and, and companies I've worked with, you know, I I've devoted a lot of my own, you know, resources and money and time and, and efforts into it, but it's, it's been so rewarding to, to, you know, hand deliver jerseys or, or do clinics or give, you know, many scholarships to, you know, domestic stuff. So it's, it's been it's been, you know, a few grants that have, have helped out as well, you know, with, with, with Atlas and, and working with other, other organizations to, to team up and, and, you know, cause there's so many good departed people, but don't have the right, you know, they're missing one of the pillars or missing one of the walls. And, and I feel as though, you know, either myself or my connections or anything else, it, we, we can definitely close in on, on, on some things that are needed. On the other side of that, you're now part of the LA MLR team. What, what, what role are you playing? Yeah, my, my role is uh, handsome, good looking guy. It's head of strategic and partnerships. Oh, nice. So yeah. You're a thinking man. You know what? It's, it's all about thinking outside the box. I, I know where rugby is in America compared to, you know, I was at a Laker game just a few nights ago. I was, you know, meeting up with the Chargers and the Rams and, you know, being at the new SoFi Stadium. So you, you understand how you know, we're, we're a very small fish in a huge ocean sort of thing, but the being at the table with these other organizations has been great. And hopefully we can, you know, continue to, you know, somewhat ride their coattails, but get their intel, get their details, find out how they're doing things. How can we do it, but do it the rugby way and not just a plug and play of like, oh, this is what they do in New Zealand. Let's do it here. That's all, you know, we can take a little bit from New Zealand, a little bit from Japan, hopefully a lot from Japan because how it's all corporate, you know, based and, and how those are funded, England, South Africa, and mold our own style. MLR, what is, what are we doing well? Uh, what do we need to work on? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of things that are going well. We've, we've had a lot of, a uh, lot of challenges, you know, with the last two seasons, but, but I think each team facility wise. You know, you know, I've, I think if, 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 some, if a new person is watching rugby for the first time, it's got to be at a great facility. It's got to be easy on the eyes. We have to educate the public. We had to introduce it first, then educate it and then show them a great product, which the product is going well on the field as in the game wise and the speed and, and the, and the collisions and, and, and the skilled sets. But, you know, I, th I think we just need to have, you know, better, better broadcasting, better stadiums across the, across the league. And, and hopefully that will catch more eyes and, and, and make more top 10, you know, lists on, on, on sports center. Love it. Rapid fire. Favorite coach. Oh, are you my coach? Shoot. That's tough. I don't know. I mean, there's so many good ones. It's like, like when I was in kindergarten, people were like, what's your favorite food? I was like, I don't know. I, I, like, I like it all. <laughs> Forget exactly. it. I mean, I've had so many from, from, you know, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's too, that's too tough. I, could, I couldn't answer it. What was it like apprehending thieves in your, <laughs> in your noodle bag? <laughs> On 4th of July, someone broke yeah. in the house where we were at. Uh, yeah, it was, it was quite funny. It was, so it, what, it, what happened? So we were on the front deck and someone snuck in and broke in through the back door. And one of the girlfriends or wives like screamed and like, what the heck? And these two guys jumped out and like, they like had a bag of stuff and they were stealing stuff on 4th of July. So it was like, they're in there breaking in. So yeah, I'm in my noodle bags. <laughs> I start running, but I'm, I'm mad because I'm barefoot and these guys have shoes on. So we're just chasing them down and finally mowed them down about three blocks in this alley. 
Roomba, first thing I did is take off his shoes and start like smacking him, him <laughs> with his own shoes. Like, you know, was this, and then the cops came, helicopter, they all got arrested and it was, got, we got our stuff back, but it was, it was, it was quite comical. Yeah. I can just see you in your running form, running three blocks, hair flowing in your noodle bags, barefoot, oh. and taking the shoes out. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Proudest rugby moment. Of all the many great moments you've experienced. My goodness. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess it'd be alone in a room, just, it's, you know, crossing, crossing off the goals I set for myself. I, I was were, you always, big, were you a big goal setter? Huge. I, I still am. So, you know, I had short-term goals, long-term goals, and they, they weren't goals unless they were written down in the book. So, you know, whenever I was able to, you know, play my first Eagles game, that crossing that off, you know, signing my Super Rugby contract, playing my first Super Rugby, you know, World Cup. It was, so I was, uh, those, those, those be behind closed doors, those were the proudest moments, you know, I, where no one, I couldn't fool it. I wasn't trying to fool anybody. It was only man in the mirror and my notebook of, of the goals. That is awesome. What's your day-to-day like now? Like now that you're, you're doing 10,000 things, how do you, how are you managing it? What, what, what does a day look like for Todd Clever? Starts with a good coffee, ends with the hit with the cold wheelies. <laughs> I'll send you some free Jack's IPA and you'll, I'll, I'll, I'll taste, taste them. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna taste. Uh, no, it, it, my life is busy and I got married this year. Uh, Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Are you having to like spend time on red carpets now, by the way? You know what? She's, she's very active. She's, she's a busy actress and we've been to a handful of her, you know, premieres, red carpets and the invites and stuff like that. So you got the look for it. You got the vibe for it. It's, well, you know, it's always weird whenever it's like, oh, this is good. I feel really good. Like, I'm just like, please, sir, can you please move all the way? We want this beautiful girl. I swear I've seen you in a movie or two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Recently married. So you're super busy. How are you doing? Yeah. It's like, how do you keep up with all that? I, I, I'm enjoying being busy and balanced and, you know, still able to get in the ocean a handful of times. A week. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to bed early, waking up really early and, and, uh, making sure that my lists are, are, are checked off during the day and, and let's keep on growing. But it's how much time are you having to spend on doing maintenance on the thing on your car? Oh, that thing, that thing is, that thing is gold. It, 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 it runs Dude, like a champ. No way. That's awesome. It's a good look. It's a great looking car. You know, you know, well, yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right, pal. Last question. If you were running the free jacks today, you're in my shoes. What are you focused on? What am I focused on? I need to be maintaining my handsome, handsome looks. Yeah. Yeah. That horse, the horse (laughs) head, maybe throw that thing away. What are you talking about? Kids are so scared of it. I bet. I, I, like, you're not bringing that home from the office, are you? I was like, no, no, I'll leave it there. I mean, it's great. You guys are doing such a great job. I mean, the guy next to you on over your right shoulder, you know, Ebner is, is that. And I mean, it, it, you know, it's about relationships and, and community and, and getting things and you guys are, are leading the way of it. I mean, you have, you know, a good, good ownership group and guys that want to be. So I think it's just managing those, those real, the realist expectations of where rugby is at the moment. How do we, how do we focus on getting, you know, butts and seats, getting, getting sponsorship and, and bringing home the shield. Exactly. How are we going from 3000 to 5,000 to 7,500 to 10 to 15 by the world cup, you know, per match. That's the goal for yeah. sure. Toddy, how do people get a hold of you on social? What's your, what are your handles? Oh, handles for Instagram. is just my name. Yeah. Todd clever for Twitter. It's Todd's with an S clever. 
Um, and we have no There's two of them, folks. There's two of them. Good and the bad. <laughs> That's right. That's great. Todd, you're the best. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Full Contact CEO. So great to keep you catch up, Toddy. Best of luck with everything. It is a almost noon here, but I'm sure somewhere in the world it's five. But I'm looking forward to getting together in person here this season. Uh, best of luck uh, with with the season and with the foundation. Great to reconnect. Cheers, pal. Mags, you're the man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.